Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. Lots of people around here fly with Alaska miles. This week, the airline announced they've made an offer to buy Hawaiian Airlines. If the deal goes through, the company could see an expansion in aircraft and routes. We'll talk to Helene Becker, an analyst with TD Cowan, about how the merger might impact Seattle. But first, let's get you caught up. Expect more rain and possible flooding today as an atmospheric river continues to pummel the region. A landslide halted Amtrak service until Thursday morning between Seattle and Portland, and people were forced to detour on the Burke Gilman Trail Tuesday after a small landslide near the Lake City neighborhood. King is one of a number of counties currently under flood watch from the National Weather Service. If you need sandbags, the county has them for free. We'll drop a link in the show notes. A grand jury in Oregon indicted Alaska Airlines pilot Joseph Emerson yesterday on charges of endangering an aircraft and 83 misdemeanor counts of recklessly endangering others. Emerson allegedly tried to shut off a plane's engines on a Horizon Airlines flight in October. His lawyers noted the grand jury chose not to indict him on charges of attempted murder. They also said the court is drafting a release plan for Emerson and he'll return to his home in the Bay Area at the end of the week until his trial begins. And who's up for some free holiday fun downtown this weekend? Check out the pop-up ice rink in Occidental Square starting Friday. Sure, maybe you'll have to deal with a few raindrops, but forecasters say we might get a bit of a break here and there. The Downtown Seattle Association says everyone's welcome. They've even got free skates. It's open all weekend until 6 on Sunday. Earlier this week, Alaska Airlines announced its offer to buy Hawaiian Airlines for $1.9 billion. The deal will have to pass through regulators for approval, but if it gets the green light, Seattle could see some changes in travel. The merger would create more direct flights to more destinations, with Seattle acting as a key hub. Helene Becker is here to talk about what's at stake with the deal and what it means for the airline industry locally. She's an analyst with banking firm TD Cowan. Helene, thanks so much for taking the time. Of course, my pleasure. Nice to be here with you again. Okay, Helene, before we jump in, let's get the nuts and bolts of this merger for listeners. Alaska's offered $1.9 billion for Hawaiian Airlines. What does that include? For that, Alaska Airlines gets the entire Hawaiian Air fleet, which is 717s, A330 freighters, and uh, 787s that are coming into the fleet. So they're getting all these aircraft. They're getting the Maui hub. And they are getting the Honolulu hub, as well as international route authorities. Right now, to Japan, to Australia, South Korea, Hawaiian has route authority to China, but it's what we call dormant. They're not currently using it. Okay. All right. This deal still needs to get approval from regulators. What are the chances it goes through? Is there even a question? Here's the thing. If the Department of Justice is being truly agnostic about this and just evaluates this merger on its merits, it should go through. However, the DOJ is trying to make up for past sins, for past DOT approvals, and they may choose to block the merger. It makes no sense to do that. 
that they blocked JetBlue and Spirit, which almost made sense <laughs> for them to, to block it. So the Justice Department looked at that and they said there's more overlap in JetBlue and Spirit than there should be. And so therefore, we're going to block this merger and JetBlue sued them and closing arguments in the case started December 5th. Now, that said, the parallel to Alaska Hawaiian is completely different. There's almost no overlap of the routes. There are only 12 that overlap, which is less than 3% of the Alaska route network. So it's tiny. So if justice is, is willing to evaluate the deal on the merits, it shouldn't get pushback. But this Justice Department is unpredictable. I'm glad you mentioned that because I am curious what federal regulators are looking for when these airline mergers occur. Who are they supposed to be concerned about? Yeah, consumers. <laughs> regulators are concerned about consumers and concentration in a specific market. And there's not that here. <laughs> I mean, you basically have two airlines that have probably come very close to their limits of growth and where they can grow more, especially Hawaiian. But the government is specifically looking for root overlap. Does this bring a consumer benefit? Is it going to cause any harm? Are there still going to be other competitors in the market? And to all those questions, the answer is, it, there are consumer benefits. I mean, the alternative for Hawaiian would probably be running out of cash at some point next year and filing for bankruptcy again, which they've done before, and then restructure. So that's one concern. Another concern is that they don't have the wherewithal to be able to continue to grow their operations. They don't have the finances. And then finally, for Alaska Air, it's a really good opportunity to get into a market. Interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about how this would change things for passengers here for Alaska Airlines and Hawaiian. What kinds of things can customers expect to change if this deal gets approval? From a consumer-facing perspective, they're going to run this as two separate airlines. It will be Alaska Air Group as the holding company, and then Alaska Airlines will, will fold Hawaiian in under that brand. So the way consumers should think about it is kind of the way hotel chains do it. Like Marriott, for example, has Marriott, Sheraton, Westin, Ritz, Carlton, and that's kind of the same thing. Air France and KLM do this. Lufthansa Group does this. International Consolidated Airlines Group, which owns BA, British Airways, it owns Aer Lingus, it owns Iberia. This is not unique. It's unique among U.S. airlines. But in general, nothing will change for consumers. The brands will be operated separately. You'll make easier connections. You'll be able to earn miles on both airlines, redeem them on both airlines. Yeah. You know, back in 2016, Alaska acquired Virgin America for $2.6 billion. What can we learn about how that merger went down? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. They acquired Virgin America to for, for a couple of major reasons, but the primary one was to grow in California. And what wound up happening is they they wound up 
they wound up going from a two-fleeted airline, right? the 737s and the A320s and A321, so Boeing and Airbus, to just Boeing in financially worse shape than, than Hawaiian is. And it was an easy company to acquire. Jeff Blue tried to acquire them. It would have brought another airline competitor to the West Coast, the and so Alaska stepped in and overpaid. They acknowledged they overpaid. But in the end, for customers, they got more choice. Interesting. All right. That's right. They're committed, they said, to maintaining both brands individually under this one merger. You know, I wonder if Seattle being a hub will see more air traffic or a bigger presence with additional routes if this deal goes through. The way... I think about it is over time, they'll probably start to grow internationally beyond just Central America. There's Northern South America to grow into. And so there will be more choice um, for Seattle residents. And when more choice comes, you have lower prices. You know, Consumers are one end of this deal, but labor is the other side. Uh, The union that represents cabin crew at both airlines has said that it would take a look at the details of this merger. Alaska is currently negotiating a contract with its cabin crew. How might those labor negotiations be affected by this potential merger? I think the employees should view this favorably because it ensures the future for both companies. The problem is American Delta United and Southwest are so big, right? They're 72, 74% of total market share. They're not as big as they were when they all first merged. They were 80%. But Alaska and Hawaiian combined will, will be, I want to say, 8 or 9%. So they're still not going to be huge. It's important, and you have to be bigger to succeed. If we don't do this, I think we're going to have even fewer airlines in five years because it's really hard to start an airline these days. Well, and for all Hawaiians' part, like you mentioned, they have a significant amount of debt that's coming due in the next few years, and they have not recovered from what I'm reading from the pandemic travel lull. So, all right, before I let you go, Helene, what are the big things you're watching for as the deal moves through the regulatory process? The biggest one is justice's reaction to whether or not they're going to block it, sue to block it, or approve it. I think transport will approve it, and that's number one. Number two, to your question about labor, we're definitely watching how labor responds to this. Um, The flight attendant negotiation is ongoing. They're going to want protections that they don't get laid off. And that's pretty consistent among airline mergers that some protection is given. We're still in a growth phase for the industry. So there are jobs and they're great jobs. The pay is reasonably good. We're looking at Boeing and Airbus and how they're going to think about adjusting the fleet, if at all, probably not in the short term. Amazon, which is another Seattle company, hired Hawaiian to fly 10 A330 freighters, which come into one is there now, the other nine are Amazon owned, and they'll come in uh, in 2024. So we'll be watching to see if they still go down that path, which we think they will. I don't 
I don't think they'll say no. They need to get stuff <laughs> from the mainland to the islands. And the easiest way to do that is Hawaiian. But it's kind of interesting because this deal was announced on Sunday. And now there will be this flurry of stuff happening this week. But then there will be this huge void that will be information less as all this stuff goes on. General counsel will be really busy. Outside lawyers will be really busy. But for the rest of us, life will go on as, as if nothing is changing. And then at, at some point in the future, we'll hear that justice approved or justice is suing to block. Like so many things in our business, Helene, it's a hurry up and wait situation. Yes, exactly so. That's a good way to put it, Patricia. <laughs> Helene Becker is an analyst with banking firm TD Cowan. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Helene. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Jenny Cecilmore. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.